Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hashtag no music, no intro. Another episode of the Saints Block Party podcast. And this is a big podcast for us. We have the one and only co-owner of Reception Perception, Matt Harmon, joining our podcast. This feels a little surreal for Matt to be joining our podcast. Um, but it's, uh, it's it's an honor. Um, me and Ryan have been friends since what? 2012-ish. 2012, and I feel like we, me and Ryan met through Twitter. This sounds like a love story, but um, it is. And, right? and, it, it is. It is. And, and let's, 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 normalize men saying i love you to each other and having those type of friendship 100 percent, yeah absolutely um and in that time i feel like we have both been following matt Harmon the same like the same time and have seen the the growth the glow up everything that he's done with reception perception working at yahoo having a a podcast with austin eckler just just so many things that this man has done so it's truly an honor and a pleasure for for you to join us and talk about new orleans saints man I mean, dude, you guys are way too nice to me to to start off this thing, but I, I appreciate it. And yeah, like um, I, I was just doing a little reflecting actually about the last 10 years as well recently, because I, that's about as long as I've been doing this thing. And, you know, reception perception data itself goes back to 2014, because that was really the mm. first year that I started collecting league wide data. And um, even to the point now that there are some guys that i was a huge fan of uh, in the art, like to start the RP era, like Alan Robinson and John Brown that I've like now, like reception perception has outlasted some of the yeah. early favorites yeah. of reception wow. perception, which is, is crazy. And it makes you feel kind of like, I mean, you talk about normalizing guys saying, I, I love you to each other it makes, it makes me feel like some kind of way. It makes me feel a little emotional about the whole thing and, and, and the journey. So um, it's been awesome. I've been, I've been super lucky and super uh, grateful to, to have such a fun ride here and uh, i'm excited for a fun uh, little program we got today yeah it's well we're gonna have fun but if you don't know what reception perception is go to receptionperception.com there's the basic level at 1999 the level that we subscribe to 29.99 a year or the the highest level of correct me if i'm wrong it's not 99.99 a year yes sir um, and it is it is appropriately called the sicko package because if you want uh, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if, if you want every piece of reception perception data that i've charted right. since 2014 you, uh, we, number one i love you and, and and we all love you uh but you are a sicko and and yeah. that is what you get with that level listen, of uh, that look, level of access look man the people listen to our podcast during the off season, they're all sick. Like if you listen to this podcast, you're a sick person. There's no reason you're a healthy person. But that's why we all came together. Like on please Twitter, please keep listening. Yeah, please. Yes, do. I'm sick too. You know, but we all came ago. What I always talk about is it's interesting watching how everybody grew. Like from that time of 2012, 13. Hey. I remember Daniel Jeremiah was just like a this anonymous scout on Twitter. You had like yeah. Draft Mecca. 
you know, you had Sigmund Bloom and all those guys, Matt Waldman, guys just on Twitter talk like nerds talking about football. And now they have, so, everybody has their own little platform now and on TV. And this is, this is crazy when you look at it. We, we, like us, we just got, we got our own podcast now. It's like that, that we never even thought of that happening. You know? No. Yeah. Dude, things have blown up to such a crazy uh, proportion. And, you know, I, I feel like, I'm glad I I'm glad I got that start 10 years ago, uh, 10, 11 years ago, something like that, because I couldn't imagine trying to break into the space now. You know, oh, it's yeah. so it's so crowded and there's there's so many people doing great stuff. There's so many people doing better stuff than me. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that what I've done is, is has stood the test of time, at least to this point. But you're right, man. It is it is really cool to see. I mean, you mentioned like draft Mecca, you know, Charles McDonald uh, and I both were, were were cutting our teeth at draft, yep. me- draft Mecca, football savages mm, and stuff like that. And yeah, um, yeah. now we work together at Yahoo. We were both at the Super Bowl this past year together, each of the last look two Super Bowls. So look at it, that, it's, it, it's awesome. And, and it, it makes you, like I said, it makes you feel some type of way about just like the weird friendships we've all built from uh, from that little bird app, uh, which is not even, <laughs> dude. We we've lived to the point that it's not even the bird app anymore. <laughs> Always will be the, the bird Twitter. app. No, always. <laughs> I would never call it X. I don't care, man. I no, never call it it's X. not in never. It's not me. Just so I think it. I think our listeners would just appreciate just hearing hearing the Matt Harmon story of like how like we we've talked about where you are now. I feel like I feel people who listen to us that you know we have people who want to do what you do or how or how you became kind of a self made man a business owner things like that. If you just want to just give a quick synopsis of kind of how reception perception came about and and how you are where where you are right now. Yeah, I mean, try to make a, a long story short here. Uh, reception perception was sort of the idea that like we're t- this time period that we're talking about 10, 11 years ago um, in my one bedroom Lynchburg, Virginia apartment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm back. I live back in Virginia now and I lived in LA for the past eight years before that. Ooh, um, so, get me out of this cost of living. That's where I am right now. So I understand it back. Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, but listen, but you, but you're not wrong. <laughs> you, you are not wrong with what you just said. Uh, but so again, yeah, all the way back in like 2013, I was, um, you know, just in a, period of my life where I was looking, uh, looking to try to kind of find my way, that whole thing. And uh, I'd always loved football. I'd, I, I love to write and I love to just kind of like parse out ideas and think about things. So I started my own website, backyard, the backyardbanter.com back in the day. Um, and that was where I started posting a lot of different type of content. But the thing that I was after was sort of what was something that was going to make me a, a literal nobody, like stand out in an industry full of all of those names that at the time you mentioned, you know, that were much more qualified to be talking about football really than I was somebody that, you know, had no, I I was like, man, I want to break into this industry so bad, but I didn't play in the NFL. I I don't have connections in the league, anything like that. I don't have Mm -hmm. connections in media period. Like what, all I have is a Twitter account and a website, right? Um, yeah. yeah, that I'm paying like 20 bucks a year to, to maintain a domain name or whatever. So I got to have an idea that's going to, stand out in the crowd. And for me, the biggest question that I always had about football, because I grew up a real big boy, I, I, I never could play the wide receiver position, but I was obsessed with, with wide receivers. I was obsessed with, you know, just even when you're watching games on Sunday, we all inherently know, like, we're most, most time people are watching the ball, right? You're, you're, you're focused yeah. on where the ball is, but you don't right. see what wide receivers are doing when they're running off screen, of course. Right. And like, 
for me, and, and any football fan knows this, you're lucky as a receiver to get like eight to 10 targets in a game, but they're right. running, yeah. you're, they're playing 60 plus snaps. They're running 30 plus routes. In my mind, I was like, somebody's got to try to give them credit for what they're doing. When, even when the ball's not going their way, like we talk about, and even like, again, reading scouting reports 11, 12 years ago, it's like, oh, this guy grades as a six out of 10 on my scale as a route runner, which, you know, don't disrespect anybody that does that type of work. But it's like, what does that mean? I, mm, I thought right. it's like, it to, I was like, somebody should go in there and again, try to quantify separation and quantify route running. And that was what yes. I decided to do. So, um, you know, my dad, he actually told this story, you know, tell a story anytime, but he told a story at my wedding, uh, actually, like he can still, because I ended up meeting my wife out in California and actually through work at Yahoo Sports. And, you know, again, now we oh, live awesome, back on man. the East Coast. Yeah. So Congrats, like man. he did. Thank you. Appreciate it. Like he told the story of my wedding. Just remember seeing where it all started, like that one bedroom, Lynchburg, Virginia, to see all these papers, which actually still have the same ones back here that I do all the Look charting off of still <laughs> to this day, strewn all over the floor. And he's like, what, what is, what the hell's going on here? I was like, I got this idea of reception perception, uh, you know, give me like, amp, bro. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just, I'm trying to work on this receiver thing is for the website, whatever. And, you know, again, to see it become what it's been and gone through so many different um, outlets, whether it was football guys, the fantasy footballs for a while to now, being its own thing at receptionperception.com. Right. Um, I mean, I'm just, like I said, I'm very lucky. And, you know, again, that's kind of long story short, but to me it was really just about I wanted to to answer the biggest question I had about football, which is yeah. what are wide receivers doing away from the ball and how can we better understand that position, which at the time in 2013 around that era, I felt like, the league was crowded with great wide receivers back then. And it was this, this 2014 class that was coming in, which ended up being Mike Evans and, and Odell Beckham and Sammy Watkins, the aforementioned Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, uh, Marquise Lee, Lee, LOL, Uh, like (laughs) Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, But, but like, you know, it was great 2014 class was supposed to be kind of, I was like, man, this feels like the time, to be in on wide receivers. And I mean, shoot, yeah. now it's exploded so much oh, in, yeah. in, to, to the receiver it's, it's position. So crazy. I, I think it remains uh, the most fascinating position in football. And I'm, I'm lucky to still be uh, kind of trying to figure that thing out all, all these years later. <coughs> it, yeah, it absolutely. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was, like I was saying, it's, it's just crazy. Just this whole industry, you know, how you just got to find your niche. Um, Finding what you're interested in, uh, and look, I mean, there are there are people out there that's just craving more data. I'm constantly looking for data, mm-hmm. data to aggregate, data to compile. Yeah. Fact, so there's all. How do you go about uh, compiling all that data? Like, or do you use different analytic websites to compile everything, or do you watch each you know each game, every every game, every tape, every player? How do you put it to call together? Yeah, so I, I do everything uh, myself. Uh, any piece of data that's on Reception Perception, uh, the website or you see anywhere has always been collected by me in the last wow. 10 years. Um, so I go in uh, for college players uh, and for NFL players, go in and chart an eight-game sample for for all those guys. Because like I said, wow. back to what, what, the, the, what, the era of where we were talking about when this got started was I was charting full seasons and I was like, this is going to not – this is, this is a lot of work. So like when, where I was trying to test, where did the data like normalize 
Like things yeah. just kind of stabled to a point where this is this is representative of what a guy's doing over the course of uh, of a full season. And, season. and I found right around eight games was was that cutoff. So right, uh, right. that's so for again for every piece of data, unless wow. it's otherwise noted on the site, um, right. it's an eight game sample, uh, and it has always been me, man. And and that's and James Coe is my business partner. You know, we met at NFL.com and and NFL Network, and so he's again we're we're great friends. He actually officiated my wedding, speaking my wedding again, uh, but. He was, has always kind of said, like, you know, it, we, we could free you up to do more content if we brought in, like, people to chart the games. And, and I was like, no way. Like, nope. to me, this is me. you're going to have to pry that, number one, like, out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> and two, um, that's what I love to do. Like, I, I right. think that's the value of it is that, look, if you don't if you don't trust me or whatever, then that's fine. Then you don't have to trust what, what's on the website. But I just think, and again, no disrespect to other sites that do this, but I think it's just better. Like, you know, that I have been doing this. I've put, this is literally my life's work, which is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe pathetic right. to say, but it is my life's work. Um, I'm not some nameless, faceless uh, person that, that you don't know where, who's compiling this stuff. Put some so that's why I name. Just, well, I mean, shoot, that's just why I have, yeah, that's just why I have always kind of fought to keep the process myself. Yeah. That makes sense. That's amazing, man. Uh, we, we like me and Jay, Jay's my partner. Um, we've kind of started this thing going, this is a third year, fourth year. We'll do it where, because we're sickos, um, she's a epidemiologist. So she deals with stats and, and all that. And so what we've started doing is going back to 2006, all saints data, every prospect that they've drafted, mm. um, and gotten their, like, essentially like their, their, their profile or their their type of players that they drafted per position using combine data, height, weight. And then what we started to do is then we match the data to incoming classes, draft classes, and and where it will hit on a center or right receiver that meets the metrics that the Saints have historically drafted going back to 2006. So it's um like it's and it's it's crazy of how many players who are on that list that they actually like draft and like mm-hmm. it's kind of predictive of who potentially they're going to have their eyes for so the the data the the stats all that kind of just speaking kind of the language that we that we have but if we're talking about the new orleans saints and we're talking about receivers i would be remiss if we did not start with like this topic that has been burning all season regarding chris olave mm. um there's this discourse of He's not a number one right receiver. He potentially should be traded. He's not. There's a lot of discourse going on in, in, in the Saints fandom Twitter world um, regarding Chris Olave. Um, I was looking up his 2000, 2003 profile. What does reception perception allude to regarding Chris Olave? Man, I, I'm kind of stunned to hear there's any sort of discourse about that. Oh, I, mean, I, 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 love, I love Chris Olave. Uh, I had him ranked as a top two prospect at wide receiver in that class. And for me, it was like right there between him uh, and Drake London. And that was a, a great receiver class. Oh, dude, at this point, every receiver class is a great receiver class. Right you know, they're, they're, every year it feels like we got a great one. But especially that that uh, 22 draft class with Drake London and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, like I really could have heard an argument that any of those three guys should be the top receiver in the class. But I had a special affinity for Olave because he is a route runner. And I yeah. just, you know, again, I'm, I'm, this is what I've, I've been studying routes and route running for the last 10 <laughs> years. And, and really in terms of guys that have come into the league in that time span, and there has been some great prospects, he has got to be 
one of the two or three best just pure technicians at Ooh. the position when we're talking about like prospects and you know right. i mean there there have been guys that were you know like i mean i think jamar chase was probably a better prospect at the time uh but but again i'm just talking about pure route running standpoint like right. he was right. up there uh he was number one in success rate versus man and press coverage in that draft class and you immediately saw that translate to the league and that's the thing his year one um his year one reception perception profile was incredible. He was at or above the NFL average on every single route in terms of getting open. So this is a full field player. This is a guy that can uh, get separation at all three levels of the field. Now he, he is not your typical X receiver, you know, in right. terms of build, in terms of where you're going to line him up. But, you know, neither is a guy like Stefan Diggs. I, I kind of felt that, that, that there was a, a, to me, a player comparison between Diggs uh, and Chris Olave. And, and, and Diggs, mm. was, Diggs was a guy that took the right quarterback and the right offense to really unlock him. And I, I sort of feel as if, um, you know, maybe Olave is that way. So we could talk about more about the offense last year and the offense this year, but um, just pure and simple for me, I, I love Chris Olave and I'm a huge fan of him. And I absolutely think he has the potential to be one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's kind of, it was kind of underrated how quickly he hit the scene. I mean, it was week one, year before last, season before last, his first season, he was productive. Like, and usually, you know, sometimes it takes wide receivers a while, no matter where you draft him, a while to start being productive. And he just hit the scene like that. So I think it did raise expectations for him. Uh, and then, you know, he ran into this season, a lot of changes, new quarterback. He hit kind of a little slump in the middle of the, this past 2023 season. You know, some people called him, I think it was the Tampa Bay game, where he kind of looked like he wasn't giving full effort on yeah. a route or two. And then there was the whole uh, thing with him and uh, Derek Carr getting the at it. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the discourse, yeah. Then he got arrested for speeding, and it was like, oh, <laughs> Right <man."> after. <laughs> right after that. So it was just like – and I, we, were, we, were, we were covering it at the time, and we were trying to tell – Saints fans like, man, this is the first time this kid has really faced adversity from a football standpoint. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like going to Ohio State, being a the guy there, playing with excellent quarterbacks there, coming into New Orleans. First time he ran, and we just got to see how he handles it. And he finished the season fine, uh, making big plays, contested balls, and all that stuff. And one thing I kept noticing when I would go back and watch the tape to see what's wrong with Olave, what's wrong with Olave, I look and I'm like, he's beating. Yeah, cornerbacks like he's winning. Open, he's winning. He is open. Like I'm like, what is? I, so I just didn't understand it, man. It's, it's just crazy. So one thing too that's important to remember, like to take it back to Chris Olave's rookie season, um, and this is where we'll get into this discussion to think about the offensive change here. Like you, you mentioned right away, and you're right that he was productive. He was um, clearly like a guy from week one that was not just productive, but a, a beating NFL cornerbacks at an extremely high rate. And this is a guy that was running like a pure vertical route tree. I mean, you go back and look at like his reception perception year one profile, the routes mm -hmm. where he is running uh, like at an above average rate, it's the nine route, it's the post route, it's the corner right. route, it's the dig route, it's the out route, and it's the curl route. Like he ran 7.4% of his routes in his reception perception sample in his, in his rookie year were slant routes. That is the lowest I have charted in since 2014. 
Uh, like wow. this is a guy Ooh. that gets no layup routes, and and I haven't charted out his full season from this past year yet, but I did do uh, I think about four games in the middle of the season, and it was pretty close to the same thing. Right. Which mm-hmm. so again to put that into context, like because maybe everybody doesn't kind of just intuitively understand this, the lower success rate routes are all the deeper routes. Like right. you're yeah. gonna get, you're, it's easier to get open on slants and these like layup routes around the line of scrimmage. And Olave just doesn't get any of those layup routes, at least not in the yeah. Pete Carmichael offense. I think that's going right. to change going forward, so that should be a good thing for him. Um, but I think that adds to sort of the volatility in his game from a target perspective or, or right. um, like, look, dro- he, he, there were definitely some drops he had this year. There were balls mm-hmm. he, yep. he absolutely should have caught. And you yep. know, any high-level receiver is going to hold themselves to a really high standard. Um, but, you know, the further you get targeted down the field, the more – the more high degree of difficulty some of those passes are going to be. So that's another thing to remember uh, when we're talking about Chris Olave. But yeah, there was, you're right that there was a lot of adversity, I think on the field for him. I think he handled that well. I think he's, I think he's wired uh, the the right way. I've only met right. him one time, um, not the past year's Super Bowl, but the year before that. Um, guy's pretty like straight shooter, doesn't, doesn't say a lot. Uh, just, yeah. just very focused on like, football and talking talking about football and that's it yep. seemed like a great guy but uh, it just I was surprised by the the speeding stuff and anything like that but you're right that he seemed to handle it well and was fine the rest of the season so you right. know listen we are, we've all done things when we were young that we probably shouldn't have done oh, Lord. <laughs> and I think what counts for him <laughs> and I feel like it gets it doesn't get talked about enough during his rookie season his quarterback was Jameis for like three games and then he had like Andy Dalton like the entire rest of the season and still had a great rookie season. Um, So it, 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 it's, it's just interesting the discourse that continues around him and it just, it seems a little silly, but I think that just come, like you said, it come like he kind of set the standard pretty high as a rookie um, and just kind of building upon that. Um, What, you you talk about the the beat Carmichael offense now shifting to this Clint Kubiak offense. Um, no one knows what that's going to look like. I think there's a lot of assumptions. It's going to be very similar to to Kyle Shanahan's offense. I went back and tried to watch some Vikings 2021 when mm-hmm. Clint Kubiak was the OC to kind of see potentially how it'll look. Um, but you talked about maybe like more layups in regards to Olave or, or what have you. Um, can you just expand? expand on that a bit sure yeah of course we don't really know what this offense is going to look like Uh, we have seen Clint Kubiak call an offense like you mentioned 2021 um, but I think it's going to look a lot like all the Shanahan and the Kubiak stuff I mean he obviously look at the last name that's clearly the tree we're getting we're getting here Um, so Mm -hmm. I think the the main focus of that offense is to maximize individual players and make life easier on the quarterback. Like certainly mm-hmm. there are going to be some more design shot plays. That's always was always one of my biggest complaints with and I had to be straight, I had a lot of complaints with the Pete Car- Carmichael offense. I think yeah. it was not not a fun offense to go back and watch on film Ooh, on a on a weekly a basis. Um a, a lot of a lot of issues there. Um but I, I always felt that the shot plays were like these Chris Olave go routes where yeah, I mean, he obviously can get separation and 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 win on those, but unless it was like Rashid Shahid, like on a busted cover, like busted zone coverage, it felt like there was mm-hmm. a real lack of design shot plays. I think that's going to be a part of this offense with your number one receiver, and like that's again another thing that was an issue I think in the previous offense was 
if if Chris Olave was going to get a, a, a target in the intermediate area, that he was going to get a target in the downfield area, he's going to have to work for it, right? And like yeah. again, he's a number one in my opinion. He's a number one receiver, and he could do that. But look at the offenses that have just even the Texans' offense last year, where. I, I, Bobby Slowick, I, I didn't really know much about Bobby Slowick before no. last year, but other than he's coming off the 49ers coaching staff and had connections to this coaching staff dating all the way back to the Washington days with RG3 in that rookie year. Um, you know, again, I, but we didn't know what he was going to look like, much like we don't really know what Clint Kubiak is going right. to look like. But you saw from week one of the Texans offenses last year, like, they know that Nico Collins is a dude and they're going to line him up at X receiver and they're going to have him rip these in-breaking routes. And they're also going to have this explosive light rookie receiver tank Dell work uh, as the slot receiver on the same side of him or the mm. uh, outside breaking route receiver from a flanker perspective. And like those routes are going to make sense. They're going right. to, they're going to open each other up. I don't think we had a lot of that last couple of years in the saints offense. I think you were asking guys to just, kind of go yeah. win iso ball win. so that's exciting for me to see from <laughs> that that's exciting for me to see from from all of these receivers perspective not just chris olave but i i think like like that slant route percentage i said for chris olave earlier i i'd bet shoot i i'd, I'd bet a lot of money that that's gonna at least get to like 12 percent. maybe right. we're looking closer to like wow. 15 16 and 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 like those layup routes are just going to be more involved in in his route tree and then it will just really be up to the quarterback to take those because um i'm I'm definitely curious to get your guys's opinion about uh about Derek carr uh to me when when i when i thought i thought of this at one point during the year when when i think it was after that same tampa bay game when uh, Alvin Kamara had like 13 catches for 33 yards or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It just jumped into my mind at that point that like, we all know that Derek Carr is addicted to the check down. Like he wants yeah. to take that check down when there's pressure on him. He's taken that check down. It's like, as if you, and I think I tweeted this at one point during the year, it's as if you just like took a pack of cigarettes and put it on a smoker's uh, nightstand every day so that when they wake up, it's the first thing they got to think about. Because Alvin Kamara is a great pass catching yeah, back. Right. So He's talking to the smoker right here. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. So it's just like that is, is it, it's the first thing he's going to think about as mm-hmm. soon as that heat comes in, he's going to take that check down. I, but I think right. like, this offense – there will be more layup routes closer to the line of scrimmage for a receiver like Olave to get open on as opposed to some of that downfield stuff, if, if all of that sort of makes sense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, it, it makes plenty of sense. And Derek Carr was so weird last year. Because um, me, me and me and both me and Adam was like, look, Derek Carr, fine quarterback. We were kind of, you know, excited when we signed him. We knew he was not gonna be like a top five or top ten quarterback, but we thought he would at least solidify the position and a professional NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. But we just started finding out things behind the scene that really rubbed us wrong. And then just the way he functioned in the offense uh didn't work. Pete Carmichael, we we know he's not he's not a uh, you know the best OC. We know that, so it just didn't all come together. 
Uh, but the thing was weird with Carr is there were times when we wished he would throw more trigger. Either, not check yeah. not check downs, but like intermediate routes and shorter yeah. routes because he would sit there and hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball, looking downfield. Pat, pat, and it's like, pat, like pat, bro, pat. like you got Elvin Kamara right there. You got Juwan Johnson right there throwing over the middle. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a heat map, but his throws over the middle are just not there. Like, he just almost yeah, not doesn't existent. do it. It's just weird. And it's just weird because it's the Saints offense. It's also weird because he, to, he yeah. cooked with Darren Waller. Like, that's what, like, that's he, he had such a great rapport with Darren Waller with Foster Moreau. Like, and it, so I know that, like, for fantasy football, like, the, the, the uptick in Jawan Johnson as being like a, a tight end one prior to the fantasy football draft last season was up and it just, none of it happened. Like it was yeah. just non-existent. I, I was super surprised by the lack of Johnson in particular. And, and just, again, it was an offense that to me didn't make sense. Oh. And especially didn't make sense to the the personnel that was there. It, it felt like it was still an offense that, and I think the Jets actually struggled with this to a much more embarrassing and, and easier to see degree. But both of these two teams I felt were similar in that they struggled to take an offense that was so clearly designed for like a Hall of Fame, elite decision maker, um, elite processing quarterback Speaking of and right adjust, adjust it to a guy that's just not that. Obviously, Zach Wilson ain't that, and like Tim Boyle and the boys in New York, yeah. they're they're not right. That. But but even Derek Carr, like this is a guy that you have to work around. This is a guy that you have to incentivize to take some of these throws that we are talking about here. And you know, I mean, John Gruden, not a perfect, not a perfect guy, but he did a great job over the course of Derek Carr's time with the Raiders, kind of get it, like incentivizing him to buy into this offense. And I just mm-hmm. think, like to your point, that it was it felt very. Uh, Check touchdown to check down type read for for right. Derek Carr and a guy that like yes. I look I do, I don't know Derek Carr you know but from from uh, some dude on the street I don't know him at all but I, it felt like a guy that had was hearing all the check down noise and then is trying to push it down the field overcompensating yeah. over yeah. Mm-hmm. overcompensating exactly right so again just I felt like it was one of these offenses that. And then, you know, it bled into the receivers, too. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a receiver guy. I'm generally going to, like, you know, maybe Ty right. goes to the receiver type of thing. But <laughs> what you would see these guys on film, I'm sure you guys, it's like they're throwing their oh. hands up. They're like, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like, hello, hello. And, and, and again, it's just bad habits all bleeding into each other. That was hey, the hey, this year. And there, I mean, and we've talked about this on the, on the podcast. So, a, a, like a core of the season, I guess. Derek Carr was given a lot of flexibility in terms of like calling audibles, changing plays. And a big thing that plagued the team early is he would, an audible would happen and he would not properly like communicate uh, the receiver, like for the receivers to go. So if you go back early in the season, you see a lot of the receivers running to like the same spots on the field, Mm -hmm. same area, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't properly communicated to them that they were supposed to run different routes by Derek Carr. All that said, Fourth in the season, the last people like to talk about the, like the, the last three games. They forget to bring up the Rams game, which was a disaster, and I was there for. It, and it looked like we were not. Oh, oh like man, Saints, that was rough. The, now we want to talk about reception perception for the Rams and Sean McVay with Luca Puka that game. Anyhow, um, yeah. but he did play well. He played well against the Bucks. He played well um, to end the season, and I, we saw a lot of play action. And he was more decisive. Um, and 
I felt like he gave receivers chances to make plays earlier yeah. in the season, um, later in the season, rather than waiting for them to throw it while, when they were open. And they made plays for him because they they have a good, such a interesting, like I feel like the Saints' weapons are kind of underrated for the talent mm-hmm. that they have with Olave, with Shahid. We saw some glimpses of A.T. Perry a little bit. Um, and we, we got to see them make plays. And so if that Derek Carr can maintain throughout a season, I think they the Saints have done something offensively, but that's such a huge portion of it. Yeah, like I think that Derek Carr is one of these guys that he's not the worst quarterback in the league. You can have stretches where you feel like he's just, I mean, is this a bottom barrel type of guy? And, I mean, oh boy, we, we were lived, there. Oh yeah, we lived, we lived through some of them last year. There's, there's no question about that. Um, I don't know. Again, I'm preaching the choir here when I'm talking about this stuff, but um, you know, but again, he's not a, there, there, there's just like the environment around him has to be right. And he's just one of those guys. And of course, then you get into the, do you pay one of those guys this amount of money? And it's just like, well, that has been, that is a decision that has been made by this team. And like, now how do we make it work? Um, I think exactly. that's where they're at from, from, from a financial standpoint, just like a roster building standpoint. But right. I think that there are there, there's plenty reason to think that they can stretch that chapter that Derek Carr had out into a greater portion of the season. I don't think Drop you're going to get that yeah. for yeah. I don't think you're going to get that for 17 games. But if you get it for 10 or 11, like then you've got a better offense than you did last year. And and then if those other seven games uh, or, or six games or whatever, if they're if they're he's like the 20th best quarterback, not like. At times, I really felt like he was like the twenty eighth or 29th, you know. It was so bad, Matt. It was yeah, I, I bad. yeah, yeah. I, I I feel you. So again, we just need to raise the ceiling and raise the floor, which I do think is possible. Because I'm with you that I like this receiver core. Um, I don't know. Like, I think obviously they're they're Michael Thomas, great career. Um, you know, great great peak as a Saints player, but I don't think he's coming back this year. Um, I like a- I liked A.T. Perry a lot. I could not believe he fell as far as he did in the draft. Um, I don't know if you guys have more insight on, on as to why that is than than, than I do, but um, I, like I really like Wake, Wake Forest coaches uh, really kind of harped about his immaturity issues as a player mm-hmm. while he was there, and it kind of yeah, and it was weird because everyone I talked to that like dealt with him while he's with the Saints, super professional, like team guy and everything, so he just. He just got screwed by the coaches, I think. He's, yeah, same which thing, is weird. Same thing happened to City yeah. Deuce, Chauncey Garner yeah. Johnson at Florida. Same, same exact type of situation. Yeah, which is always like uh, definitely. I can understand why people would take that as a red flag because right. usually your collegiate coaches are the last people that are gonna. Right. They're usually gonna be the first to gas you up and the last people to push you down. So, right. and Wake Forest was a is it was a weird offense. I mean, they're they're yeah. pretty close to like the Looney Tunes offenses that we see in the, <laughs> in, the in college football. So they're they're up there, but. To me, from a traits perspective, and this is why I think it's important to isolate wide receiver play, to, from a traits perspective, he looks like he's on that X receiver access where he's a big guy. He can right. beat press off the line of scrimmage. He can get open against man coverage. Not not a perfect player for sure. I think there's still some mm-hmm. kinks to, to iron out there. But yeah. he does, at least to me, have those traits to be a starting level X receiver in the NFL. You know, James and I always talk about on the podcast, like the Devonte Parker axis of X receivers, because Ooh. Parker is like, <laughs> Parker was your, at his, at his peak. And uh, RP has always been pretty anti Devonte Parker. Like, I know that, I know that now it's like, Oh, Devonte Parker, Patriots receiver. Like that's a joke. 
Go back and read some people's tweets in oh, 2015. Bro, uh, love 2016 about Devontae Parker. I loved him. I loved him. <laughs> he, he was giving I, Stephon Gilmore that work when he was with the Dolphins. <laughs> couldn't tell me anything, bro. He he was, and to, to me, he was just always that like baseline of of NFL X receiver. And if you were mm-hmm. better than Devontae Parker, you were a high like you're somewhere on that like. Are you Cortland Sutton? Are you T Higgins? Are you? I mean, shoot, are you all the way to like the elite level? Are you like, cool. or, or are you more like Mike Williams? Right, like that's better than Devontae Parker. Then they're like, if you're worse than Devontae Parker, you're like DJ Chark or so, again, so somewhere like, along that. He's like the, uh, the Dalton scale. scale. The Dalton yeah. scale. Yeah. The, receivers. The, NF, the, the around the <laughs> NFL guys. Yeah, shout out Chris West, like the Dalton scale. Yeah, Devontae yeah. Parker is the is is the is the is the Dalton scale. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about it that way, but yeah. Oh, he's bro, the when you were saying it, that's for... like exactly what it is. Like I was thinking the exact yeah, thing. The prime yeah, meridian of yeah, this. He is the NF, he's the prime, like not like not Patriots Devontae Parker. Like you're bro, talking Dolphins. about Dolphins Devontae Parker is the prime meridian for NFL oh, X that's receivers. Perfect. That's um, perfect. So yeah, I, I think that A.T. Perry could be somewhere along that axis. It, where where he is, uh, I don't know, but I think I have hope that he can be somewhere in that like starting level X receiver mold. That and awesome. I, I I love uh, Rashid Shahid's game as well. Again, that's not a, not a perfect man. player, but man, like that's a guy that can burn, and that's a guy that can get open. Uh, again, these are all guys that are really high quality separators to me. So right. it's just on it's just on like the the quarterback to take throws, but also the coordinator to design some exactly. ways to get th- for these routes to make sense together. Exactly. Exactly. There's one thing like going when we used to watch. I remember we used to I used to watch Sean Payton's offense with the Saints, especially like you know, and the Drew Brees was still in his prime and all that stuff. And man, it was like art in motion, man. Like you watch yeah. all the route concepts and how everything came together, and you know, utilizing what? this these this talent and that talent and how they'll marry the two and put oh, yeah. defenses in the quandaries. I was like. Pete Carmichael, you've been under Sean Payton all these years. What? Why have you not learned any of this, man? Like, everything was so hard on offense the past couple hard. of years, you know. And so I just didn't understand it. But uh, I guess flipping over to the draft, uh, how, how much work have you done so far with this incoming draft prospects? Yeah, started on mostly the top level guys. Uh, I'm going to have prospects on the site earlier than ever this year because uh, I couldn't help myself. Usually, I try to take January. Subscribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, please subscribe to the website. Uh, so I usually try to take January off of charting uh, just to give myself a little bit of break before we dive into free agency, which is kind of where I am right now here in February. Right. But everybody was talking about this 24 draft class and like uh, Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze and like I couldn't Ooh. help myself. So I did get started a little earlier this year. Uh, so I've, I've, I've looked at some of the mostly the, the again, the top four guys, but also seen a few guys that are, are a little lower than that. So one of the last questions I have, because we don't want to keep you too long, because we're on the topic of the draft. Um, in in some mocks, we're seeing Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU mock to the Saints at 14. Um, I don't see a lot of Keon Coleman mock to the Saints, but the Brian Thomas Jr. kind of has been like a consistent one that's been happening mm-hmm. like the last couple of weeks. Um I don't know if you've watched both of those players. I'm not trying to give yeah. you to like give give the goods, but like if one of those players were an option at 14, which one? And obviously, we don't know what the Clint Kubiak option or offense looks like, but which one kind of intrigues you more as a prospect from what you've seen and charted thus far? Yeah, so I've gotten a few games in on both of those guys. So I got again not a full sample. That'll be more rounded out here in the next couple of weeks. But um, I do think I got a pretty good handle on both those players, uh, specifically Brian Johnson. 
he is definitely going to be somewhere on that X receiver access that we were just talking about. Um, and man, he's, he is exciting because he's so explosive. Uh, I mean, he runs, this is a guy that runs like three routes. And sometimes when you hear that, like players, yes. uh, it, like th- th- we talk about that, like it's not true, but that's the guy that really does run just like three routes. And I mean, yep. it's very reminiscent of uh, the DK Metcalf route tree from like early in his career. Um, he's not nearly as like freaky as DK Metcalf, right. but yeah. he is explosive. He is fast. And he shows that you can, he shows you that he can beat, press coverage which is what if you're going to be a starting X receiver you have to be press coverage period end of story um and, and I think that Brian Thomas gives you that so I think from a Saints perspective that would really tell you where they're at with like an A.T. Perry do they think that A.T. Mm. Perry is a guy who could compete to start for them then you're probably not taking a Brian Thomas Jr. in the first round but if he, they they don't think he's that guy then I think that Brian Thomas makes a, a, a little bit more sense there and he would definitely give you I think something different from an A.T. Perry anyways and that we're talking about more long speed. We're talking about right, more right. Uh, ability to, to to rip you on go routes. And I think that A.T. Perry is going to give you, whereas Perry, and actually, again, to tie this into the, the Clint Kubiak and the Bobby Slowick and the 49ers of it all, he's a little bit more kind of in that Nico Collins mold to me, where he's a big receiver that can get you on in-breaking routes. So again, mm-hmm. it would it would be a different dimension, but I think that would kind of like if they take Brian Thomas, they're they're probably not thinking AT Perry is a future starter for them. Now Keon Coleman is interesting because he's built like a big X receiver and he wins uh some contested catches like a big X receiver. But I, I he's one I'm struggling with to see kind of like the vision a little bit because the separation concerns are are for sure real. Um and mm-hmm. I I think he is going to end up being more of like a movable chess piece type. Like this name is not going to excite people when I say it, but I think I know what I, you're going to say. Come on, well, who do you think I'm going to say? Uh, Kelvin Benjamin. No, no, okay, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Damn. Kevin Although there were times that there whoa, were times. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Can we put some respect on? Like Kim and Cam was cooking for a little bit. Like a little I was, was going to say there, there, were, there were times that Kelvin gave you gave you some moments. I just think he probably didn't take the some of the parts about being a pro too seriously. <laughs> um, but there, there was definitely some times with. I um, mean, Kel, Kelvin had a, a freaky wingspan. I mean, that was just oh, like he, he was he was great for Cam. I mean, Baby shoot, he was, better, Tron, he was better than Devin Funches. I'll tell you that from oh, Panthers receiver that is, that is a name I have not thought of in ages. Oh my hey, god! That, there were there were some there were some real real wars on like fantasy Twitter about like oh, no yeah. Devin Funches is actually going to be better, uh, than Kelvin. and that's like a, a war that nobody like who really won that war. Nobody, <laughs> nobody. We nobody, all nobody. lost. We, Cam Newton lost. Cam Newton lost. Actually, that's, that's who lost that war. Um, but actually, because I was going to say um, that. Keon Coleman maybe reminds me a little bit from like a deployment perspective, uh, what the Steelers did with Chase Claypool in his rookie year, which actually Ooh. ironically, like isn't too dissimilar to Devin Funches, like kind of slot receiver, tight end adjacent type stuff. And I mean, Devin Funches actually even moved to tight end. I think was on the Lions yeah. as a tight end recently, but, and, and Chase Claypool was interesting because he kind of was that way too, where big guy physically gifted, I think gives you more after the catch than, and this is all stuff with Chase Claypool. Like, who cares? I'm not, I'm not, this is not a Chase Claypool take, but like, I think from a Keon Coleman standpoint, going to give you more after catch uh, than you probably would think. So I, I, again, this is where I'm at with him right now, where I think that's kind of the deployment I'd like to see from him. I don't see a guy that's going to like line up outside and be your, your starting X receiver. I think you've got to be a little more creative yeah. with him. 
did Brian Thomas frustrate you in watching him? Because I watched a couple of games of him like over the weekend and like he's so enticing, but there's like there was yeah. part of me that was just like <laughs> like I, I don't know how oh, to like sure. ver- like verbalize no, no, it's, it. It's a it's a consistency thing for me. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Where yeah, the guys I like, I mean the guys are, that I like are like the Olaves and like the uh, Roma Dunes well, from this class. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, so, yeah. so consistent. So like everything looks the same, um, but it's not. Everything looks the same, but it's not. You're just a guy that's going to tempo routes the right way. Um, you're it, I, Like, again, Odunze is that guy in this class. Marvin Harrison's that guy in this class. Uh, Neighbors is a little more just like explosive, but you feel like he's, uh, I haven't heard other people comp him to DJ Moore. It actually makes a lot of sense because DJ mm. Moore was a guy that um, in in college, he separated and was really good at it and was just because he was so explosive and he had just enough technical acumen, but then you see him, you're one in the NFL and you're like, hey, this guy's really struggling to beat press man coverage, but you get him out in the open field and, the and field. Like, we're cooking, oh. we're cooking. Um, and then the longer that he played, the more he caught on to it. I kinda, that's kind of how I feel about neighbors, but um, yeah. But Brian it's, Thomas, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a consistency thing with, yeah. with me with him where that's why I think there's a clear separation between those three top guys who I think are, are probably on, on like my stacked board on the website. I'm going to have them all in that like top 10 worthy tier. Uh, and I think I there's a step down from Brian Thomas. And, and then it's just sort of like, is Thomas two steps down as a prospect? Is he one step down? But I think there's clearly a, a step down there. Just my last one. Uh, is there a prospect that you, you know, that you studied over the years that you're kind of proud of, that you kind of planted your RP flag on, like, this is my guy, and then he came to the league and actually produced and is good, stuff like that? Like, strictly prospect-wise or more like early NFL-type uh, type thing? Both. Why not both? Why not both? Either way. I mean, my God, there's there's just been – there's been so many receivers over over the years. One guy this year, especially, I was super, um, I was super proud to see like produce immediately and like I think show superstar potential right away was Jaden Reed from the Packers. Um, man, I was such a big Jaden Reed fan. I I thought he was really, yeah. I, I I loved Reed as a prospect, and he was a guy that wasn't consistently rated as a round two player. wasn't consistently kind of graded that way by a lot of people, but I thought like this is a high quality separator and a player that can beat uh man coverage and clearly a guy that you can line up in the slot and get him like design touches. And um, it, people have been calling him like dairy belt Debo uh, because of the design touches <laughs> that, that, that Jane Reed got at one point this year. And part of me, like, this this now like part of the mainstream discourse because how Super Bowl went, but I'm like Jaden Reed beats man coverage better than Debo Samuel does. Oh, let me just say that about let me just say that about Jaden Reed. Saying, um, yeah, so <laughs> he was a guy that was actually and and by the way, like the Packers have so many of these in, incredibly talented young players. Bro, right? like Don Dontavian Wicks is incredible. Uh, like so, Reed was a guy that I was I was happy to see translate right away from uh, this past year's draft class. To me, I think if you look back in like the RP archives, the guy that I'm always super proud of is is Stefan Diggs because reception Ooh. perception showed like early on in his Vikings days that this was a guy that was um, 97th percentile in terms of beating man coverage. And I mean, you guys, you guys know this about Stefan Diggs because of the Minnesota miracle. Uh, not Doesn't to bring bother old, me old, old, okay. I'm good. Okay. Now, maybe old, a disclaimer warning to our listener, but I'm yeah, we, yeah. we've disconnected. I'm we're good. 
But it was like that was kind of thing that put him on the map as like a player. Right. But even still, yeah. after that, I still feel like the general public did not understand that this was like an elite tier receiver um, until he got until he got to Buffalo, and then Buffalo. The, the, the the marriage with Josh Allen and all that stuff. So um, that I think was a real validator for reception perception. Actually, it's funny too because uh, Stefan and I know each other, uh, known each other now over the years, just because. I mean, when he was, I think it was right after that Minnesota Miracle, when there was like a, right when I started at Yahoo, there was an event uh, that we did with Verizon where I actually met him there for the first time and was able to like talk to him about reception perception. And he was like, oh yeah, that's totally right. I'm the best, I'm the best route runner in the league. So uh, <laughs> he's like, you're doing good work. And, and now we've kind of like, we've done so many, so many things together over the years, like media wise. So hey, it's been, a, it's been a hell of a ride reception perception over the years, but definitely was very dope, proud man. of the Stefan. It is. Being that you have all this data, this is the last one. Have you have teams ever like I Ryan and I always say like Cliff Kingsbury may not be like a great head coach, but nothing like no one can deny that he has an eye for quarterback talent at Texas Tech. He recruited Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. Um, He went to Arizona. He knew that Josh Rosen wasn't the answer, you know, drafted Kyler. So like that's his forte. Has any Mm -hmm. teams like reached out to you for like consulting for like. A, a incoming draft class for wide receivers to get your perspective. Uh, no, not not that I know of. I I, I had one email from one team years years ago. Um, this is before Reception Perception was a website. Um, this was when it was in like uh, the fantasy footballers draft kit, and you know it was kind of hard to tell like a a, a a team personnel person like yeah, I download this fantasy draft kit to yeah. get all my work. Um, <laughs> Was it maybe the most accessible thing I probably could have said? Um, but that that was years ago. It was only one team ever. Um, I, I joked on the show this year, like, Bill Belichick, like, you, you. Hey, he, he, could have used you, bro. I mean, you, dude, like, all the mistakes that Bill has made at well, the wide receiver position over the years, one twenty nine ninety nine subscription could have told him, no. could have told him not to, not to, let Jacoby Myers walk in favor of Juju Smith-Schuster. Like one twenty nine nine. Bill, you got the money. We all know you got the money. Twenty nine ninety nine was all you needed to Bill, spend to not make that mistake. Maybe when he comes back to the league next year as a head coach, he'll there'll be a subscription. Ho- hopefully, we hope so. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about any consulting gigs, but I'll take one prime subscription from Bill Belichick. There you go. There you go, Matt. Uh, this has been insanely unreal um it's been great man uh we know our listeners and what loop viewers are gonna love it so again yes. receptionperception.com if you're listening to this reception perception isn't like a sponsor or affiliate we don't care definitely <laughs> definitely absolutely support matt and james work uh co-owners of reception perception it's been an honor man thank you so much for got coming the podcast on. got the podcast too right y'all on yahoo Every- yes, so yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Uh, we got the Reception Perception podcast and also the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show, which I host five times a week during the season, uh, two Woo! times a week during two times a week during the off season when I feel like it, which is not this week. We're only one episode <laughs> a week, but we just had we actually just had a great uh, show with Ben Solak from the Ringer breaking down coaching oh. uh, staff changes. One of which we talked about Clint Kubiak and the Saints, of course. Oh, so um, yeah. No, it's, appreciate it guys it's been awesome to talk with you and i mean you made me feel way too good about uh about too many things so hopefully uh appreciate again appreciate you guys have me on hopefully we didn't uh reveal any old old wounds about the old saints offense we're all excited about the future and what yeah, this team's gonna forward. look like yes yes that's <laughs> it and for it thanks so much man for coming on we appreciate it and with that we're out peace
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.